Today's guest is Dan Norrells. He's the president and CEO of iHealth Innovative Solutions. And he's a huge supporter of organizations that we'll get to talk about and HBCUs. And, and Dion and I met when I was working at the Millennium Challenge Corporation. We had some great times there. Thanks for joining me today, Dion. Hey, thank you for the invite, Jeremy. Always great to connect with you. So for those who haven't met you, worked with you, spent some time with you, talk a bit about your background, you know, where you are, where you're from, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, so I am Dion Norrell's president and CEO of iHealth Innovative Solutions. We are a small CBE, SBA certified hub zone organization located here in Washington, D.C., uh, as well as global reach. Our focus really is bridging the gap between healthcare, science, research, and technology. And we do that by leveraging some of the best of breed solutions to address complex problems that not only could deliver remarkable cost-saving outcomes, but also accelerate discoveries using health intelligence and analytics uh, while providing project management expertise, implementing sound application development practices within DevOps, uh, supporting and implementing cloud migrations, as well as improving electronic health records management, as well as delivering state-of-the-art uh, cybersecurity detection solutions. Our organization really builds value and opportunity by investing in cybersecurity, analytics, digital solutions, science, and research. Uh, our culture of innovation empowers our employees as creative thinkers, bridging unparalleled value for our clients and problems we tackle. Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, going to uh, not the norm uh, of going straight to university. Uh, I made a stop at Dunwoody College of Technology where I received my associates in computer networking. Uh, loved it so much, uh, you know, got Cisco certified up into CNCNP, and then went off and got my bachelor's uh, as I wanted to get more into management uh, from University of Minnesota. And so from there, it really was just cultivating the, the route that I wanted to take, whether it wanted to be in the server administrations uh, or in the networking space and furthermore, getting into the management space. Hmm. Uh, and so that really helped solve some of those things I wanted to do. So, I mean, since you said you kind of cultivated that, that uh, plan, if you will, did, did that include, you know, are we very selective in where you went to work? Yeah, so interestingly enough, I, I got an opportunity to do some service tests, right? So I, I'm not the norm of individuals who go that path. So I've, I've been on the service desk side. I've been on the application development side. I then moved into the server administration side and then fell in love with the networking and security side. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I got an internship working for a medical benefits company, uh, Swartz Williams, back in Minneapolis, and literally just loved everything about uh, being able to have the the latitude to provide you know recommendations on solutions that I thought fit best within that organization. And so from there, I, I went to go work for a consulting company. I did not know I was going to go work for a consulting company. Interestingly enough, just applied and they said yes. <laughs> so um, and, you know, I went in and and worked there for a year and a half, and then. Uh, one of the companies that we supported was GE Healthcare, and um, the CIO loved me so much, he pulled me out of there, and then I became the director of infrastructure for GE Healthcare. Oh, wow. So I didn't really prep you for this, but how did you get from GE Healthcare to, to owning your own business, right? What, there's a decision matrix in there somewhere where you say, I want to own, you know, own my own uh, you know, job. How, how does that work? Yeah, so that transition happened, uh, you know, interestingly enough, when I was uh, coming back from many are uh, coming back from the Philadelphia Eagles in uh, Green Bay game. So a friend and I drove down to Green Bay and, and interestingly enough, drove back <laughs> to Minneapolis the same night. 
And so it rained, sleeted, and snowed in Minneapolis, and I left my de-ice in the car. So it was literally a blizzard. And uh, I think there was sometime in November I decided, hey, I'm, I'm completely out of here. Uh, I have to go. So I literally looked for opportunities where I had relationships, and Atlanta was a place that I had family. So what happened was I, I called my aunt and said, hey, I need to uh, couch surf for uh, a month or two uh, while I look for new opportunities. And I applied for a opportunity in Atlanta for Octopharma Healthcare. And interestingly enough, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, they love me, they flew me down and they hired me. So I ended up standing on a couch for two days, found the apartment <laughs> and ended up working for Life Therapeutics, which now is Octopharma Healthcare. Uh, and then that transition was really just trying to understand, hey, where I was going uh, from, you know, really just working for different companies that really wanted to kind of get into my own. Uh, so then I moved to D.C. and ended up working for a management consulting company, which is Westover Consulting. Uh, so got into government contracts. Uh, I have to give you know full support to Dr. Faye Coleman, who really showed me the ropes and the way of government contracting and that personable relationship to have with the government as this was the only time that I actually got a chance to interface with kind of government relationships and so forth. So just continue to develop that relationship uh, with those peers. And, you know, she ended up selling her firm. And so my first customer was the transition between uh, Dr. Faye Coleman's company, Westover Consultants and Business Integra. Uh, so Business Integra, um, that was the first contract, just the transition of moving and moving our systems into their cloud systems. And then, you know, obviously it was one of those things where, hey, well, I still have the relationships at NIH, still have the relationships at uh, HHS and FDA and all these other individual agencies and, and really just start to cultivate the relationship and start developing what I believe now is a great organization as an eye health. Wow. So you didn't mention that. So how, how large is the company? So we are roughly 17 employees with about four or five uh, F or four or five consultants, and those consultants serve from various roles, from CFO to uh, business development, uh, as well as HR consulting. Uh, and so we are not at, as as large as we should be as of right now. So until we become that 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 stage, we then will bring on full time individuals who will support us in that capacity. All right, that's but still you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, correct. Totally agree. Totally agree. And here, this model, you know, obviously, I looked at a couple of different companies that were successful, right? Looked at a couple of different companies that failed. And so some of the failures that these companies had were they go out and get these large offices, right? And large spaces, uh, hire these individuals that, you know, obviously wouldn't be doing the amount of work they needed to do at that present time. So uh, our growth strategy was really strategic. Uh, and so even from a contracting level standpoint, we were only working at agencies where we had had really great relationships and, and so forth and didn't want to grow out of capacity to support us in, uh, in some of these government certifications that we were trying to achieve. And so we bought on an HR consulting, bought on a recruiter from a consulting standpoint, bought on, you know, finance from a standpoint, even bought on legal <laughs> enough that we needed uh, for that capacity. And it helped it helped, you know, create those strategic partnerships with those agencies or other small businesses who essentially, you know, also provide us back office support. Wow, that's awesome. So as you've gone through this, you know, career, you've kind of um, kind of worked the gamut, right, in the IT field and into running your own business. What's, some, what's something you've kind of run into that if, if we came to you, Dion, and said, today you get to make a change that will impact us all, you know, uh, or, or at least maybe we won't 
maybe it's so hard to make a change. Maybe the change is so hard, it's not immediate, right? Maybe it's a suggestion of a change we need to really consider. What, what's something you've seen um, through your career that, that you would bring up to that kind of level? Yeah, interestingly enough, you know, as we as I've been able to work in these different healthcare spaces, it's always been one of the enablers of enabling a more efficient healthcare system. Uh, we look at all of the, the bureaucracies of either, you know, getting things filed or different ICD-10s and different policies being regulated and things of that nature, really just trying to find a middle ground for all of us to work to improve our healthcare systems. Mm -hmm. uh, if we look at the healthcare systems throughout the world, you know, U.S. obviously um, is lagging, but it it's definitely has the potential to be, you know, a force within that space. But I think we need to improve our workforce development, right? Uh, constant upskilling, things of that nature, workforce development, improving, you know, a pipeline of opportunity for the next generation of tech savvy workforce. And so that goes back to what I believe is a government partnership with university and STEM organizations and technology associations to help kind of streamline that path. Well, that kind of brings us to my next question. You know, you, when we were talking before the interview started, you were mentioning quite a large number of organizations that you are involved with, that you that you get involved with. Uh, talk a bit about the who they are and and you know the involvement you're 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 doing with them and and why 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 are you doing that? Yeah, so we have a you know our our staff is really committed back to the origin of who we are, right? Trying to serve the people, and part of that is creating the partnerships with so other so others may eat in Brantford City. Those are local nonprofits here in D.C. where, you know, it's really about food, food sacrifice and food safety and things of that nature and really just career development. So going in, whether we're bagging clothes or whether we're serving food, it's just a commitment our staff does monthly. You know, and that's the investment that we do as an organization because we believe in giving back. Mm -hmm. um, there's also NASI, right? NASI, National Association of Health Service Executives. And really, NASI, uh, as when I served as president in 2000, and I'm dating myself, eight, 2018 and 2020, um, it, it was really around fostering these innovative ideas of engaging more minorities to get into the healthcare space, whether mm -hmm. it was from an ambulatory care, whether it's from a clinical side or whether it's from a technology side and really pushing that forward. Uh, that organization was started by Bernard Tyson, the late Bernard Tyson uh, from Kaiser and Permanente. Uh, and him and, and maybe three of his friends, Lloyd Dean and two others, I'm drawing a blank on right now, but they started this organization almost 53 years ago, really focused on fostering these programs to move minorities into this healthcare space because they saw an opportunity for that to be you know, something to address some of the health disparities we see in minorities uh, right now. And really that's around addressing gaps in inequality, health and healthcare and minority differences, social economic statuses, racial and ethnical background, as well as educational level. Um, obviously, you know, being able to be a part of SBA's emerging leaders, uh, I felt there was only need to be able to provide insight back to those emerging leaders who are coming mm -hmm. next, right? And so, if you're not being able to reach back and pull people up, I don't. I think you're doing a disservice in the magnitude of opportunities that you can do and achieve from an organizational level, but also from a people person level. So serving as a you know a chair for SBA Emerging Leaders uh, alumni, uh, which is now called Thrive Emerging Leaders Reimagine, um, it helps set the stage for the next generation of leaders and thinkers. Right, thinking outside the box the innovators, the individuals who are going to create the next tools that allow us to do uh, X, Y, and Z. And so being able to be a part of that um, that that organization and nonprofit 
it really helps set the stage for the new and improve our individuals who are coming with the ideas. Obviously, uh, my background back in Minneapolis, uh, being a part of Page Education Foundation, that's really where it all started. Um, being a uh, recipient of the Page uh, Scholarship uh, back when I was in high school and then them uh, providing me access to get into uh, Dunwoody College of Technology as well as University of Minnesota, St. Mary's. Um, I, I thought it was only natural that I come back around and help serve on that board to provide other individuals the opportunity to do just that, right? To be able to get out and figure out exactly what's next for them. And so being able to be a part of that uh, for over the set, past seven years, it's been a tremendous thing that, you know, obviously I'm well committed to, to partnering. I travel back to Minneapolis four or five times a year just to attend these meetings. So it's a huge commitment, not only to myself, but for my organization. And obviously um, the local commitment to DC Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, really being on a committee from a health and wellness committee standpoint, you know, we actually get a chance to take a look at the policies that DC government is looking to implement and give a chance to provide feedback and also do our own outreach to look and survey, you know, what are some of the things that we believe that can approve within DC government policy standpoint from a health and wellness standpoint. So we all are able to provide some of that feedback. That's awesome. So, so what's next, Dion? I mean, I know you're growing a business and you're, you're, you're looking at what, what's, what's next for you personally, or what's next for your, for your company? Yeah, so what's next for us is really trying to be a key enabler in this health technology, right? And, and so we realized that, you know, uh, we've been in this business since 2014. So we understand the health and we understand bridging that health with technology. And, and as we saw to see COVID, obviously, you see a number of healthcare companies pop up saying they do health IT. But, you know, our organization, you know, we really want to cultivate relationships with leaders in the space, right? So we've been able to do that over the course of the last six years or so and really just formulate what we want to be as an organization and so what we did was we created relationships with Howard University and Alabama and A&M and what those opportunities and, and what that relationship does for us is help create laboratories or the the forward thinking piece of that is to create these laboratories what we call or will call iHealth lab uh, at some of these universities that will support us from a laboratory support right so, support us from cybersecurity support from research and development, as well as emergency preparedness and prevention. And so for our organization, we really are trying to get into that bioterrorism space. And I think we're doing the O&M work right now to support our initiatives and research and development into this bioterrorism space. So from, a, from the longstanding things, IELF wants to be, you know, kind of the key enabler in bioterrorism. We're looking at air monitoring, food analysis, notification procedures, risk assessment, healthcare, you know, looking at a laboratory response network, looking at clinical laboratories. So that's where we want to go as an organization. And I do see that we'll be making some, some forward traction in that space uh, over the next couple of years. Wow. Well, I look forward to seeing it. Uh, I, know I don't work in the health space, so it's always interesting to me to hear what's going on in that space and what, what's next. And uh, Deanne, I thank you for coming on. You've been, you've been a good friend and I look forward to seeing what's next for your business. Uh, well, thank you for this opportunity to share. And as always, please feel free to let me know if there's anything I can do.